I want to continue our discussion in this second hour with presenting you first with the challenge of Islamic theology to the Christian faith. And the rest of this hour and the next hour, I will give you a brief overview of Islamic theology and Islamic life. Let me make a couple of important clarifications on what I said in the first hour. And it's very important for you to remember what I'm telling you now. We all teach based on our experiences. So when I'm telling you what Muslims say and what Muslims do and how they come to faith, it's based on the experiences I've had among the Muslim people group I've worked with. But early in my life, I learned that the most important thing to do is to actually meet with people face to face to find out what it is that they believe. Don't just read something in a book or hear from a teacher and say, okay, this is what everybody in that group believes this because the book tells me this. So when I tell you that in my experience, most Muslims, most Iranian Muslims that I have seen, have not come to faith because of theology or apologetics, that's the experience that I've had with Iranian Muslims. There might be many other Muslim groups uh, that do, God has used apologetics and theology to bring them to faith. Or to say that all Iranians I know have had dreams, obviously doesn't mean every single Iranian has had dreams. The ones that I've known, dreams have been a prominent part of their conversion. So I make general comments like all teachers, but there are obviously a lot more to reality than just the comments we make. I think what's important is for you to be grounded in your faith, have the tools and equipment to respond to people's questions, and then just get into the conversations and the witnessing and see how the Spirit of God leads you in those conversations. Many years ago, I was uh, witnessing to a Muslim relative of mine. And this Muslim relative was actually studying the Quran and going to a mosque to get training. So I, in my witnessing to her, I said, well, as a Muslim, of course, you believe the Bible's been corrupted. And I was ready to get all my answers about the charge of corruption of scriptures. And my Muslim relative said, the Bible's been corrupted? Who said that? I've never heard that. So it's, it's important not to assume things about somebody and just get to know them on an individual basis. Now, obviously, I believe theology and apologetics are very important. I have devoted my whole life to studying it. But in my experience with the Iranian Muslims I've had contacts with, it's the, the most Iranian Muslims, the biggest issues in their life is that they are searching for peace in their life. And so theology comes later as they're trying to understand who this God is. Now, let's get on to the topic at hand. I usually start teaching on Islam by pointing out certain things. I uh, Sometimes uh, I run into Christians in the West who have never had contacts with Muslims. And for them, Muslims are just people who live in other countries. So they feel like they don't need to know about Islam because they don't interact with Muslims in their lives. But this is the point I want to make. And it's one of the most important points that I will teach in this class. If you never meet a Muslim for the rest of your life, the challenges of Islam are still all around us. You need to take these challenges seriously because whether it's coming from Muslims or Jehovah's Witnesses or secular humanists, they're all the same. We have stereotypes of each other. We have stereotypes that Muslims are just radical, violent people. But 
My point is that, in fact, Muslims feel very intellectually strong. Muslims today feel intellectually justified to reject the Christian faith. I will tell you what I mean in a minute. The objections that Muslims have had against Christianity for 1,400 years, these objections, we hear them from different groups and different people now uh, all around us. And Muslims say, see, see what we have been saying to you Christians for 1,400 years, your own scholars are now saying the same thing. So you can witness to them, you can share Bible verses, but they say, no, 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 you Christians are just putting your head in the sand. So we need to take the intellectual challenge of Islam very seriously as Christians. What do I mean by that? Orthodox Christians believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. And we're going to talk a great deal about that a uh, little bit later on. But ask most Christians sitting in their churches, what is the Trinity? They don't know what to say. Some years ago, there was an article printed in a Christian magazine, and the author pointed out these same problems with, the, with Christians. He says, uh, he, he gives examples of a famous Enlightenment philosopher by the name of Immanuel Kant. Immanuel Kant says, the doctrine of the Trinity provides nothing of practical value. It doesn't mean anything even if, Kant says Christians don't claim they don't even understand it, but even if they did understand it, it doesn't make any difference. Doesn't make a difference whether there are 10 persons in Godhead or three persons in the Godhead. This doctrine has no relevance for life. Thomas Jefferson, another prominent person, very dear to Americans, he talks about the illogical arithmetic of the Trinity. He says, when we shall do away with all this Trinitarian arithmetic and get back to the simple, pure teachings of Prophet Jesus, then we shall be the worthy disciples of Christ. A Muslim would say amen to Immanuel Kant and amen to Thomas Jefferson. A Muslim would say, it's not Muslims who are saying this stuff doesn't make sense. It's your own Christian leaders that are saying these things. There's a famous and controversial Catholic theologian by the name of Hans Kung. And he refers to another historian who makes this observation. He says, Historians always note with surprise how little power of resistance Christians showed to Islam. Historically, when Islam went into Egypt and went into the Middle East, Christian churches just collapsed. The Jewish communities were much smaller in number, but they held their faith, but Christians didn't. And th this historian makes this observation. He believes that the church collapsed because of the inadequate rationale of the central Christian dogma. See, Islam, it is very important for you to understand, Islam presents itself as a very rational, simple to understand religion. I told you we have stereotypes of Muslims. Muslims have stereotypes of you Christians. You know, their stereotype of you is this, that Christians is this, uh, Christianity is this emotional religion and people have no reason for what they believe. Christians worship, they sing hymns, they go to church all their life, and yet, when you ask them the most basic questions about their faith, they said, we don't know, it's a mystery. But Islam says, no, we don't have mysteries. Everything God has revealed 
his plans for us and it's very easy to understand. It makes sense and it's easy to explain. Not only the challenge, we, we have to face the challenge of the Trinity uh, from Islam, there are other challenges as well. We believe Jesus died on the cross for our sins. But you ask most people sitting in the pews of the church, why should people go to heaven? They say, because they've been good people. If you live a good life, you'll go to heaven. Muslims say, that's what we say too. See, it makes sense. If you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. If you're a bad person, you won't. It makes no sense how somebody else could die for you on a cross 2,000 years ago, and through that, you can be saved today. It makes no sense. You ask most people sitting in the pews, and they will say, people are basically good. Christians talk about original sin, and because of Adam, we are all fallen. But most people say, no, we are basically good. We are born innocent and good. Uh, C. Stephen Evans is a Christian philosopher. He's a Christian philosopher, and he wrote a book about 10 years ago called The Historical Christ and the Jesus of Faith. And in the beginning of the book, this Christian philosopher talks about why in the West, Western philosophers abandoned Christian doctrines. Why did Western intellectuals kind of said, no, Christianity doesn't make sense, and they walked away from Orthodox Christianity? One reason he points out, he, he calls it moral difficulties with the atonement. He said, Western thinkers realized that Christian views of atonement were more problematic than helpful. He says, the idea that God forgives sin by virtue of punishing an innocent person in our place, raises all kinds of difficulties. The Enlightenment emphasized a view of individuals as morally autonomous agents. I am responsible only for my own choices. And this view raises all kinds of problems for Christian theology. Why must God punish at all? If punishment is necessary, how can guilt be transferred to someone else? How can the suffering of someone else take away my guilt? These are the questions that Western philosophers struggled with, and because of it, they left Christian, Orthodox Christianity. Muslims say, we've been telling you Christians the same thing for 1,400 years. Let's talk about another example. Every year, uh, we hear, uh, magazines publish stories in America and in the West, and especially around Easter time or around Christmas season. And they publish articles about Jesus and about Christianity. So this year, in 2007, the big news around Easter was that they have discovered the family tomb of Jesus. Last year around Easter, the big news in America was the publication of an ancient lost gospel called the Gospel of Judas. Some years ago, uh, Newsweek magazine had the cover story around Easter time. The title of the article is Rethinking the Resurrection, a New Debate about Risen Christ. U.S. News and World Report, the same week, published a cover article called In Search of Jesus. Who was he? Time magazine, the same week, published an article with Jesus on the cover and entitled The Search for Jesus. Listen to the subtitle of the article. It says, some scholars are debunking the Gospels. 
Now, traditionalists are fighting back. What are Christians to believe? Every time these magazines are published, every time these documentaries are made on television that raise questions about the authenticity of the Bible or historical Jesus, Muslims say, we've been saying the same stuff for 1,400 years. And that's why Muslims feel justified in rejecting the message of the gospel. They say, uh, you Christians have no reason to believe these things anymore. Uh, I want to quote you from a Muslim uh, apologist named uh, uh, Mishael ibn Abdullah. And he, had, he published a thick book some years ago called, What Did Jesus Really Say? He quoted from an article in a British newspaper, and according to this newspaper article, more than half of England's Anglican bishops say that Christians are not obliged to believe that Jesus Christ was God. And says, many of these Anglican bishops think that Christ's miracles, the virgin birth, and the resurrection might not have happened exactly as described in the Bible. After he quotes these newspaper articles, then the Muslim author goes on to say this. He says, with every passing day, the most learned among the Christian community are slowly recognizing the truth and drawing closer to Islam. These are not Muslims who issued this statement. These are Christians. These are the most learned and most highly esteemed men of the Anglican Church. These men have dedicated their whole lives to the study of the religion of Jesus, and their study has driven them to the truth which God had already revealed to them in the Quran 1,400 years ago. What are, what are those truths? That Jesus was not God, that God is not a trinity, and that the stories of the ministry of Jesus in the Bible have been tampered with by the hands of mankind. Do you see what I just pointed out to you? That Muslims have every, they think that they have every reason intellectually to be close to the message of the Bible. Because Christian leaders, Western philosophers, non-Muslim intellectuals are all raising the same objections about the fundamentals of the Christian faith. That's why I believe we need to take the theology of Islam and the challenge of Islam very seriously. See, we, in, the, in the world we live in today, we usually hear people talk about the military threat of Islam. We talk about the political or the social threat of Islam. And these are all real threats. But the most significant challenge of Islam to the Christian faith has to do with the theology of Islam. It is in the theology of Islam that we find the source of Islam's fundamental opposition to Christianity. And unless we grasp what Muslims believe, how that belief con confronts the truth claims of the Christian faith, and how to respond to the Islamic charges against Christianity, we have not succeeded in understanding Islam or addressing Islam. So, whether, for those of you who are watching these programs, whether you are in contact with Muslims or you're not, you have to understand what these challenges are and how you would respond to these challenges. As I have studied Islam for many years, I have boiled down these differences in four areas. And these four points that I will mention basically provide the outline for our course this week. Now, 
when people talk about Islam, they can focus on all kinds of little or minor issues. They can talk about, you know, Muslims don't eat pork or Muslims don't drink alcohol or talk about other cultural issues in terms of differences between Islam and Christianity. Or many, Muslim, many people, uh, including former Muslims who have become Christians, view Islam only in terms of its military threat or the issues of violence and jihad. But I believe that the most important fundamental differences between Islam and Christianity have to do with these four areas. Islam challenges the Christian view of God. Islam challenges the Christian view of man. Islam denies the Christian view of Christ. And Islam challenges the Christian view of the scriptures. That's the outline of our course. God, man, Christ, and the scriptures. Now, under God, we will talk about two subpoints. Islam denies the Christian view of the fatherhood of God. And Islam denies the Christian doctrine of the Trinity. We will look in great detail on these topics. Under the doctrine of man, we will talk about the, how Islam challenges and attempts to refute the Christian views of human sin and human salvation. Under Christ, we will talk about how Islam challenges the, the, the Christian view of the death of Christ and the deity of Christ. And then we will talk about how Islam challenges the Christian view of the authenticity of scriptures and authority of scriptures. So as I said, Islam challenges every single fundamental doctrine of the Bible. Um, there are many scholars that try to emphasize the similarity between Islam and Christianity. There's a famous professor at Harvard University by the name of Diana Eck. And this is what she writes. Says, she says, Islam, like Judaism and Christianity, traces its heritage to the prophet Abraham. It is strongly monotheistic. It looks to Moses and Jesus as communicators of God's message to human, humankind. And it has an ethic of equality and justice for all. Uh, a famous newspaper commentator in America by the name of Thomas Friedman writes this. Uh, Muslims around the world, world are very familiar with his name and his writings also. And he says, uh, not just him, many people like him make this point. They say, we live in a very violent world. We have been warned that we are entering a phase of history where civilizations are clashing with each other. We need to promote peace and understanding. And so he writes this. He says, can Islam... Christianity and Judaism know that God speaks Arabic on Fridays, Hebrew on Saturdays, and Latin on Sundays. Let's all get along. The same God has communicated in different religions his truth. And uh, uh, shortly after September 11th, an imam of a mosque came and spoke to a group of Christians. And he said to Christians, he says, Muslims and Christians, we are so similar. We are, we are the same in like 95% of the areas. Let's not fuss about the little 5% differences. So when I heard that, I said, yeah, the 5% differences are about God, man, Christ, scriptures, salvation. Uh, just a few points, I mean. It's, but when, when we look at Islam on the surface, it really does look like very similar to Christian faith. Islam is very closer to the Christian faith than Buddhism or Hinduism, for example. There is belief in Islam in God, in creation, in prophets, in revelation, in angels, in the day of judgment. 
There's heaven and hell, and so a lot of similar doctrines. In fact, the Quran seems to promote the same kind of attitude in, parts of it, in some of its verses. In Surah 364, this is what we read. Now, uh, for those of you watching uh, these programs, and uh, I need to point out uh, uh, an important qualification. Sometimes different Qurans, some of the verses are up and down by a couple of numbers. The Quran I use to refer to is the Holy Quran uh, translated by Yusuf Ali, but sometimes different translations of the Quran in different languages or even in English, the verses do not always match exactly. So be careful when I give a verse reference to look up a couple of verses up or down. So in, in Surah 3, verse 64, this is what we read in the Quran. Say, O people of the book, people of the book meaning Jews and Christians, O people of the book, come to common terms as between us and you that we worship none but God, that we associate no partners with him, that we erect not from among ourselves lords and patrons other than God. So the Quran says to Christians and Jews, come, let's agree on, on certain things here. And then in Surah 29, 46, this is what we read in the Quran. In Surah 29, 46, we read, again, uh, God is supposedly telling Muhammad, this is what he should say, to Jews and Christians, we, will, we believe in the revelation which has come down to us and in that which has come down to you. Our God and your God is one, and it is to him we bow down. So there has been a very, uh, from the time of Muhammad himself to this day among many scholars in the West, there has been tendency among some people to say that we believe the same things, basically. But what Muslims say with one, on, on, you know, what Muslims say at one point, they come back and deny the next minute. So we believe in God, but not your view of God. We, we as Muslims, we believe in Jesus. He's a great prophet, but not your view of Jesus, not the biblical view of Jesus. We believe in sin and salvation, but not your view of sin and salvation. So that's why I am saying it's important to take the challenge of Islam seriously. I was reading an article in uh, an American newspaper some months ago, and the article claimed that 50,000 Hispanics in America had become Muslims. And the article focused on the life of one Hispanic woman. This was her testimony of why he had become a Muslim. She said, I went to my priest and asked him about the Trinity, and he, did, he couldn't answer me. And when I read the Quran and found out about Islam, it made sense to me. So this is one common theme in Muslim testimonies, the common theme that Christianity simply couldn't answer my questions. Christianity didn't make sense. My priest always said it's just a mystery. We have to accept it by faith. But Islam answered my questions rationally. And so... I really want to challenge you Christians to take your faith seriously. That's what I said, emphasize in my testimony. It's important for us to also grapple with the question, what do I believe and why I believe what I believe? So that's the challenge that I wanted to leave you with. We are going to now get into a brief overview of Islamic theology itself. I, before we start talking about the comparative aspects of Islam and Christianity about God, man, Christ, and scriptures, I want us to first try to have a brief overview of Islam 
as Muslims themselves presented. Uh, I think that's just the right thing to do, to hear from Muslims what it is that they believe. If you understand the theology of Islam, it will make sense to you why they reject the Christian faith. Muslims didn't, Islam didn't just start to try to refute Christians. Islam started on its own with its own faith system and its own message. So when Muslims talk about their theology, this is how they present it. The Islamic theology, uh, again, uh, sometimes there are minor variations, but Islamic theology usually is presented by Muslims as being based on five articles of faith. Belief in God, belief in the absolute oneness of God, that is, belief in angels, belief in the prophets, belief in the scriptures, and belief in the day of judgment. I will repeat again. Belief in the oneness of God, belief in the angels of God, belief in the prophets of God, belief in divine scriptures, and belief in the judgment of God, the day of judgment. Now, this is what, uh, these five articles of faith are the way that Sunni Muslims express their faith. Um, when you look at Islam globally, about 85 to 90% of all Muslims are Sunnis, and about 10 to 15% are Shiites. There are some differences between the two, and we will talk about it briefly in the next hour. But because Sunnis are the majority, we will stick mostly with Sunni theology. So Sunnis point out to some Quranic verses in justifying their outline of their theology. In Surah 2, 177, this is what we read. Surah 2, verse 177, says, It is righteousness to believe in God and the last day and the angels and the book and the messengers. So that's where Sunni Muslims get their five articles of faith. Or Surah 4, verse 136, it says, Any who denies God, his angels, his books, his apostles, and the day of judgment has, won, has gone far and far astray. So uh, we will, I will go into more detail in the next hour about these articles of faith. And along with the articles of faith, Islamic uh, theology also addresses the behavior of a Muslim. We Christians have been traditionally very concerned about theology. From the first century, second century, there were all kinds of theological debates ab about right doctrines. But theology does not play as prominent of a role in Islam. It's not to say it's not important, but in the consciousness of an average Muslim, you might meet Theology does not play a big role. In a, so so as, as Muslims have five articles of faith, there are also five actions that they have to do. Five actions or pillars, as they're called. And this, for many Muslims, is a more important part of their identity as Muslims. What makes a person a Muslim, first, is the declaration of faith or the shahada. Shahada is uh, to say that there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. You need to profess that and confess that in order to be declared a Muslim. And Muslims repeat it often throughout their lives. The second act is prayers. 
traditionally done at five times during the day, five different intervals of time during the day. Now, Shiites, again, usually combine these five times into three times, but there are set prayers that have to be said by, by a faithful practicing Muslim. Then there is almsgiving, the third act, zakat, or giving of alms. And then the fourth act is fasting during the month of Ramadan, and that's fasting basically from sunrise to sunset. And then the fifth act Muslims are commanded to do is for those who are able and who can afford it, go on pilgrimage to Mecca. If you are able and if you can afford it, once in your lifetime at least, you must go to the house of God in Mecca. This, for vast majority of Muslims, this is what constitutes Islam for them. It's very easy to understand. There is a God who has sent messengers. Some of those messengers have brought scriptures to tell us how to live a good life, to warn us of the day of judgment, and one day we will be judged. And we will be judged based on the actions that Islam has told us to perform on this earth. That's how the theology of Islam and the practice of Islam fits together. Now, this is the end of our hour now. We will continue this discussion in the next hour. And so we will see, we will explain in more detail what these points mean and how Islam believes it has a comprehensive system for your faith and your life.